Welcome to the Practice Podcast, conversations probing the nature of practice. I'm your host, Dave Firon. Well, you know, I, <laughs> you know that song, Bouncing Ball, I'll Come Bouncing Back to You. Tom, I love coming back to you, and this will probably be our fourth and certainly not our last conversation that we'll record for the Practice Podcast because you're always on to something. You're about the future, as well as helping people who are your clients take care of their present. Uh, Tom is the uh, co-founder and managing partner of Discussion Collaborate partner collaboratives. I got it. I got it right. I got it out right. there. Yep, absolutely right. And and uh, and just as a keen observer uh, of anything. So if you happen to be with Tom, watch out because he don't he he never misses a trick. <laughs> and, and let me start with first before we talk about your new research initiative. How did you get to be such a keen observer? Because I'm I'm not just making it up. You pick out the <laughs> most important you know, details. Almost every time I've ever been with you. Well, I think that, you know, I, I credit my parents with this. My father was a lawyer. My mother was a uh, 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 highly educated uh, uh, teacher of English. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Columbia, Adelphi, Columbia, and my father, Holy Cross and BU Law. But mm-hmm. they were always extremely intellectually curious. Ah. Okay. How do things work? Why do they work this way? Why is that person more successful in terms of promoting their interests or causes than somebody else? Yeah. And they would, that was the type of discussion we would have growing up. You know, you would sit around talking about, well, you know, why is this political candidate doing well and why isn't this one doing well? Why mm-hmm. is this uh, uh, social cause doing well and something's not? So I think that that, that, um, uh, uh, part of the part of the conditioning was was something that frankly got nurtured when I joined the military because yeah. they uh they were promoting um right for you know I was 19 years old began promoting at that uh skill that I was 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 somewhat uh embryonic into something that was tactical you know mm-hmm. which is uh which is you know being able to uh observe synthesize remember and act Okay, those were the the way principles that they would reinforce, mm-hmm. it, which is really stood me in great stead, David, in the the decades I've been in consulting. Okay, and yeah, and in not only in terms of the working with the clients, but also the the uh, foundation for discussion partners when we uh, created it in two thousand seven was the three things that we were going to do that were different. One is we were going to do our own research on what's going on. Yeah. Okay. And we were going to establish a point of view, which you liked or you didn't like, but it was a point of view and mm-hmm. it was going to be fact-based. So we were trying to stay, you know, uh, voraciously reading what other consultants and academics were doing, but also doing our own primary research. So that was one. Mm-hmm. Second is, second is we were pushing it into the marketplace for free. Okay, that was something that we thought we could generate awareness for the firm. If we weren't selling it, we were uh, uh, distributing it. That was Mm -hmm. the second part of the model. Mm -hmm. So through our blog pages, LinkedIn posting, you know, we don't charge for any of this. We just throw it out there. 
Now, I will bless and honest, we do keep some of the good stuff for our clients. But, you know, for the, <laughs> well, for the most part, what we're thinking is, you know, an open book. No, I've noticed the, that over the years. Uh, before I even got you, to meet you, uh, I noticed your blog for some reason. And, and, and I thought, wow, this is pretty good stuff. And I'm not paying yeah. for it. <laughs> right. What was the and, third one? Uh, the third one is basically work with other associations, Okay, mm-hmm. in terms of helping them develop their own research. Okay, you know, how to propose, how to frame the questions, how to target the audiences, what to do with the data, um, what what was, uh, what is the strategic use of the information that you got. All right, mm-hmm. so we would work with and continue to work with not-for-profits. Okay, yeah. um, uh, uh, you know, I mean, large one, global ones, uh, smaller, uh, regional and, and uh, city ones, okay? mm-hmm. which essentially, um, and but one of the things that we we do when people will reach out and ask looking for our support in the, the NGO space, the not-for-profit space or the association space, is we're very disciplined about saying, look, at, we'll be happy to help you, but we need to know if you cease to exist tomorrow, would anybody miss you? Oh, that's that's a that's a tough question. <laughs> I've heard well, that it, asked it, before. <laughs> it is, it is. And and but what happens is it tells us three things when you pose it this way. One is, you know, do they have faith in their own service offerings? Right. Okay. Or do they exist just for the sake of existing? Okay. Second is, you know, second is how do they define their customers and how do their customers benefit from their the association with this organization? Mm-hmm. Okay. The third one, the third one was um, uh, that people need to understand that these associations, okay, need to have an ability to communicate with them in meaningful ways. I'll, I'll give you an example. There is a uh, global association that's focused on helicopter safety. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, over my first book came out and I gave a speech uh, for them uh, in Vancouver. I guess it would have been 2012, almost, almost exactly 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Okay. There were 800 people in the audience from all over the globe. Okay. Focusing on one thing sharing oh. information on helicopter safety. To me, that's a real meaningful uh, 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 outcome for an association to uh, promote. Sure. And um, back in um, October, late September and October, they had me as a guest speaker at their annual meeting. Now they're, uh, now they're having uh, 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 live meetings and it was a meeting down in Texas and it was pretty close to a thousand people there. Yeah. All right. Still focused on what is a significant problem, which is safety. Yeah. And so this this organization has a mission that people appreciate. It has an ability to reach out to those key players that are also preoccupied by this problem. And third is they created a meaningful platform, created a meaningful platform by which they can hear supposedly subject matter uh, folks like myself, but also, and more importantly, talk to each other. 
okay, about what are you learning? Because they're not necessarily in competition. Some of them are, but not, not for the most part. And that's the type of thing when associations come to us and say, can you help us with our research? Yeah, in the New York minute. Can you show up and speak at our event? Yeah, of course. Um, and so what we're part of the foundation, the principles of discussion partners was, and, and this is a shortcut and it's probably going to be not the appropriate words to use is we decided we weren't going to be selfish. That was essentially what we were looking to do. Yeah. Well, that's a good way of putting um, the difference between so many people and organizations. Mm -hmm. uh, they may have decided to be selfish and and that's their business model. And to a point, we all are, but there's also where it goes beyond that. So that was well, a, a, quite a, an interesting value statement. Well, it is, it is, it, it's, tra it's translated for us into something that's meaningful because they, the thing is, and there's a, a, a value lesson learned here, not only commercially, but also, uh, frankly, uh, uh, personally, is if you overextend yourself to help somebody else out, they will remember. Yes. Okay. I mean, when I when we created Discussion Partners, David, um, um, every consultant has an A list, B list, C list. And when I founded the firm in 2007, you know, we were going into the global recession. Yeah. And the, com the company that I had, had been working for, the think tank I had been working for, had created to the point where they had they had stopped paying people. Mm -hmm. okay. So, you know, it was, it was not a great time to found a consultant firm. And it was my C-list clients that, that essentially were in a better position to hire us than the people I had been currently working with. Yeah. Because they were, they were large, the, my C-list clients were smaller companies. They yeah. had more discrete needs, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And um, we've talked in the past about the importance of networking. Mm -hmm. the, and one of the things, the, the unselfish sharing, sharing of uh, information is they still knew who I was because they had never stopped hearing from me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So when I was announcing the, the launch of this firm, and then I was circling back to some of these folks, they said, "Hey, it's been a while. Yeah, I could. We could use your help on this." Yeah, I, I think that's a, a huge rule of thumb for all of us in any kind of practice. But I've been uh, since I retired as a professor, I'm sort of a freelance person, and mm -hmm. once you lose the the uh, armor if you will of uh of a whole university in a professorship and all the rest and you step out <laughs> of that armor and you're <laughs> semi-naked in the world uh you, you know part part of you still has something to say and and people you want to listen to and so fortunately i landed the opportunity to develop this uh, this podcast and the book with Peter Vale. And that's sort of revived me. But I realize now, Tom, to your point of people remember you and look to see that you're still there, is that without social media, which I've mm -hmm. been using, the LinkedIn and the Facebook and the Instagram, uh, I, I just can't imagine. Uh, I, I we've been in a pandemic. We I haven't been out and about all that much. Only recently, and and I tell you personally, it it there's part of me, and I think it would be true of you and so many people who are, like we said at the beginning of this conversation, observers, curious, analytical in some ways, to shut us down. 
right. uh, put us behind a firewall, it would be agony. <laughs> well, I think it would be uh, the equivalent of solitary confinement. Okay. Yeah. In, in, in many ways, uh, you know, I mean, it, one of the things that's happened to, and I'm seeing this with the type A personalities like yourself, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, I mean, you know, David, it's a tribute to you and Peter. There's 198, I think we're number 198 today, uh, podcasts out there. And we know people are listening to them because I hear from the people who've heard me on your podcast yeah uh and i know i know the book on practice that you and peter co-created uh has found an audience okay yes it's it's growing and so you know the the thing is that that's where the gratification comes in i mean you yeah. and i will and i will it happened just this week there was a uh, um client from mcdonald's a transition client that i worked with in 2014 okay um he's been in the network he's on the distribution list and uh his name appeared in something so i dropped him a note saying hey congratulations and i heard right back from him they said i've been reading your stuff now for over 10 years okay yeah i knew i you know and you and i both know you 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 throw these things out you you distribute yeah. blogs yeah you do podcasts and you know you wonder if there's an audience Okay. Uh, but then you find out, yeah, yeah. Sometimes that audience can be unhappy with what you said, but you know, they're out there. Well, uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, having someone like say something like that to you, Tom, though, it, you know, that's one of, your, one of the moments in, in, yeah. and you're, you're a very <laughs> successful person your company is successful and you could put on airs you know if you wanted to and oh but you reach out and send someone a personal note you know uh and that and that goes a long way uh the one of the things that that um uh uh, uh you know, I'll, I'll share a story that's, that's probably going to sound less than modest here. Um, I was on my way to the back of the plane to use the facilities uh, in a small regional jet. And there was a woman there reading one of my books, a hard copy of one of the books. So, of course, I stop and I say, um, you know, how do you like the book? And she says, it's pretty good. You know, it's pretty straightforward. To the point. <laughs> okay. And, you know, waiting for her to look at make the connection between the picture in the back of the book and me nothing happened so i just kept going <laughs> <laughs> yeah i go back to my seat and as she's getting off the plane she says i realized that you were the author of the book would you sign it i said of course okay and then she said why didn't you say anything uh-huh okay and i honestly didn't know what to say you know, I mean, hi, here, I'll sign your book, you know, on my way to the men's room. I don't know what the hell I would have said. <laughs> but uh, but the the thing is, I honestly didn't know what to say. And it's the same thing. It's, it's got nothing to do with modesty. It's got everything to do with you don't know who's out there. You don't know what they're paying attention to. And frankly, you never know if they're happy with your product. Yeah. But it, it, it does lead me to the practice part of this, what you and Peter have been doing and how it how it is consistent with what the the model for discussion partners constantly doing research is not knowing if people are reading it or liking it okay is not the priority doing the research 
Yeah. Okay. And organizing your thinking to have a point of view on this. That is exactly why you continue to do it. Yeah, it's very true. I, I've been writing up a uh, a brief proposal for for a conference, um, created a little professional development workshop. And as I was writing it, I thought, well, it's kind of a pain in the neck to write. And then I realized, you know, look at the thoughts I'm having now. I'm thinking about how to interpret practice in a kind of a novel way here. I never would have had that thought had I not sat mm-hmm. in this chair and put my hands on that right. keyboard. So I think in generic sense, uh, the the journey is the is the success. Uh, speaking of research, so I'm curious about what you mentioned. Is something you you and the partners have been working on fairly recently, and I'd like to hear about it if I could. Yeah, yeah. I need to dial uh, you know a step back here and explain how it got started in the first place because it was you know it was almost accidental or survival, and I, I think I've mentioned this on previous podcasts, but to understand the evolution, I do need to be redundant. In 1982, when I was just starting consulting, was working for a small boutique firm in Boston. And we had an organization design project with uh, one of the larger uh, regional banks in Boston, which is you go in and you design the organization chart and you look at the role architecture and responsibilities, who reports to who. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the straightforward, I mean, it was not truthfully, to me, it was new, but to them, it was older and fairly straightforward exercise. Mm-hmm. But the, the CEO of the bank said, okay, get it, understand, I think it's the right thing to do. And he's looking at the organization chart for the top two levels of the organization. He says, okay, who should go in what box? Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> where the senior partners um, are looking at me. And I, I just said, I don't know. Now, David, you know how consulting works. You know, using the words, I don't know, is less than impressive with a client. And puts, <laughs> throws down some challenges one has to overcome if they ever want to be a partner. Okay. So after I visited the woodshed back in the office, I said, look, I only spend a little over an hour with folks. I'm not going to make a determination on their career. career, Okay. And put somebody in the box based on an hour's discussion. Okay. You know, because what are the criteria by which I would be making that recommendation? Yeah. So as a way of surviving as a consultant, I started this, I developed a very straightforward methodology that I can used and the people that I was working with used and over now since 1982, you know, you're looking at over 40 years. Yeah. Okay. Asking questions only of C-suite incumbents. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, other than knowing how to do their job within their domain, what is it you are looking for to make them successful? Yeah. Okay. What do they have to exhibit? Okay. Mm-hmm. And so over 6,000 executives now in the 40 years. Okay. And we decided we're going to spend a little bit more time on this in the 40th year university because we did see a detour in terms of uh, aspirations and expectations mm-hmm. due, to co- due to COVID. Yeah. Okay. That, um, so, you know, what we're finding here is really a blend 
And that in terms of the proficiencies or success factors, whatever you want to call them, that are impressive to a CEO and then indirectly to their boards. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, what we have been finding is we keep hearing the same things. Mm -hmm. And now we're starting to hear some things that are different and are now emerging as equally important. So if you if you can follow that model, I hear it for 40, 40 years hearing pretty much the same thing. Okay. The only thing that was really changing was the nuance and the number of people we had talked to. Yeah. Okay. Beginning in 2020, we began hearing other proficiencies being introduced into the discourse. And now they're becoming as important. Okay. Oh, you got me. You got me in suspense here, Tom. Yeah. Can you? Well, let me give you. Let me give you an example. Sneak, the, sneak me an example here. <laughs> the uh, the original the original list. We'll call them the forty. You know the the you know the the, the forty year old list. Okay. Mm -hmm. One category we have is threat, threshold attributes. Now you mm -hmm. need to you need to appreciate that CEOs think their finance people know numbers. That's not all that impressive. You know, they, they go, yeah, okay, fine. You know, you, you know the numbers better than I do. That's why I hired you to. They're looking for something else. So in the threshold, in the threshold area, okay, that they want, they want a bias for action for problem solving. Okay. Yeah. This is a threshold. This is a, this is not something that, you know, they're going to put on a performance appraisal and say, good job. They just expect you to do this. Yeah. All right, you know, because they're acutely aware if you're not doing it, they're going to have to do it. Yeah. All right. So that's the threshold. Then you get into the strategic ones. Okay. What one of the things that's a common denominator, okay, for a C suite executive is wanting the executives to report to them to know where their industry sector is going. Sure. Okay, they don't want them to be reflecting on the past or even the present. They want to know this person is aggressively or assertively looking to what the future will hold. Mm -hmm. Okay, so in the strategic bucket, under as an example, there's others, but as an example, there's the industry trends. Mm -hmm. Then there's the internal influence to an organization. Okay, what they're looking at for the executives to truly distinguish themselves in this bucket of proficiencies is staff development. Yeah. Okay. They want he or she to be somebody that everybody wants to work with or for. Mm -hmm. Okay. Cause it's almost like the fountain font and the, we refer to it as the Yoda like wisdom that they're transmitting. <laughs> okay. And, and it, you know, I mean, you know how it works. I mean, the, the, the longer you do this, the more you're observed by the younger people coming after you. Absolutely. Okay. So they want to figure out a disciplined way of channeling it. So those are the three buckets, the threshold, the strategic, and the, the what we call it, the influence. Mm -hmm. So yep, hearing the same things, periodically, what you would hear, um, the one that would drop on and off the list or come on or drop off the list periodically was integrity or ethics. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, and you put it in a position 
David, where, you know, you would talk to a CEO and say, well, what about ethics or integrity? He goes, I, I don't, I would never have a dishonest person working with me. Mm -hmm. Okay. But during the Enron scandal days, <laughs> they, they, they wanted that part of the assessment, you know, to avoid yeah. surprises. Yeah. So, you know, you can see where, you know, uh, the circumstances elevates mm -hmm. or, or uh, uh, modifies the placement or even being on the list of a, of a priority. Yeah. By the way, ethics and integrity is is on the list now. I was thinking <laughs> maybe that's a threshold as well. No, <laughs> no, it's it's uh, you know it went beyond threshold to the whole room. Uber priority. Yeah, it's. Uh, yeah. Uh, I think that it, you know one of the manifestations of the uh, elections in twenty and twenty two is that you know I mean one of the things that. Um, in the commercial sector when you're talking to these people is that um you 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 hear them say you know people ran out of patience with the politicians trying to convince them the earth the earth was flat yeah okay. i agree with and that. that and that and that's how you know uh uh or that you know their their uh votes didn't count i mean somehow that uh, yeah we seem to be it's not totally behind us but it seems to be on the on the down cycle mm -hmm. so that's what we've been hearing and what what happened is and we talked about this because it was the the topic of the book we wrote during the recession excuse me strike that during uh the pandemic and what what we had started doing was a parallel piece of research okay focused on high potentials and mm -hmm. um uh what we were hearing from the high potentials when we were asking them, what are you looking for from the leaders? Okay, when we come out of this mess, you know, what are the behaviors you want to see them exhibit? And right. it was a different, it was a different list, David. Yeah. Okay, it was a different list. It was like everything else we've been hearing for literally 40 years was just presumed. Okay. Yeah. Dude needs dude needs to be open to on interview rents. They have to have a bias for action for solving problems. They need to be a good good staff developer. Okay. Yeah. Fine. Get it. Move on. Now, these are the things that are going to differentiate the person that I want to work for. Mm -hmm. Number one is ability to express empathetic, uh, be empathetic. Yeah. Hold themselves accountable for their decisions. Don't blame other people. Third is be transparent. You know, let me know where I stand. I mean, one of the things we all, uh, 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 you know, and ask yourself the question, who was the more credible spokesperson as to what was going on during COVID? You know, Andrew Cuomo or Donald Trump? Yeah. All right. I mean, if you were to do a poll of people right now, which, of course, we've done, Andrew Cuomo, people were tuning in on that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, because he seemed to be trying to manage through the crisis versus... Uh, uh, what uh, President Trump and I'm not being critical of him as as a person. I'm just looking at the difference of a difference in terms of styles, in terms of informing right. folks as to what was going on. Right. Uh, and so, the what they were looking for is the transparency. Transparency went from zero to a hundred percent expectation here in our mind. 
I'm actually encouraged to hear that. <laughs> uh, we weren't we weren't discouraged. For some, we turn around and we say, "Okay, the clients we're working with, how transparent are they?" So we had to go back to them and say, "Okay, dude or dudette, you got some things you got to work on." Uh oh, uh, got to open the kimono. Uh, yeah, yeah. Hey, you know, yeah, you'd, you'd be having some discussions with folks that that you know that were painful, you know. Because, you know, then you would turn around and ask this high potential, what about the people you report to now? And we were, we had a lot of C minus report cards from the, yeah. from the executive, very successful people. Uh, yeah. But, you know, but now what's happened is they had to go back to school on something that was went from uh, nice to have to necessary to have. Yeah. Well, that's, that's an amazing transformation. And it, uh, it does kind of jibe with a few things you said in previous podcasts about how people were coming through the pandemic. And uh, one of them, which I reinforced, I think, when I reported it, uh, was that uh, they want to have an educative company, right. a company where everyone is a learner and if you're not in that transparent openness let's look at the problems even if they're ugly you can't have that kind of system you know you're back to the old days where you feed them you know like mushrooms um, and uh so that, that's kind of an interesting set there of more educative but also leaders who are uh willing to open themselves up and and do a lot of listening they had a, you know, I mean, I'm going to use GE as an example. There's a book that just came out called Power Failure. Yeah, I heard okay. about it. I haven't read it yet. But. Yeah, I, I read it and, you know, I've worked on and off with GE over my career and have had, did have some interactions with Mr. Welsh. Okay. Yeah, I remember. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, and I'm just going to use them as a case in point. Okay. And uh, the, the, the book is almost like an after incident report and what happened, GE's evolution and what happened and why it's mm -hmm. no longer as powerful as it used to be. But the thing is that one of the things when they were under Welsh's uh, um, leadership, he was using Crotonville as a platform of not only developing people and skills, but he was using it as the platform to transmit the messages as to what was his priorities. Yeah. Okay. So there's where the transparent, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm assigning the word transparency way after the fact. Okay. But the uh, two people that I've encountered in, in my career that I've talked to about working closely with him, Dr. Titchy, okay, and Stephen mm -hmm. Kerr, Stephen Kerr. Uh, I've had, you know, brief conversations with them about what was it like to work with is what you saw was what you got. Yeah. Okay. There was no sugarcoating it. I expect this. I want you to do this. If you don't do this, I'm going to have to find somebody else. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, you know, and even if you didn't, you didn't like the messaging or certainly didn't like the expectation uh, that that's not not what he was about he wanted you to understand the rules of his game yeah yeah okay and if you apply that to a lot of things right now is is you're looking at what i call leadership whack-a-mole okay <laughs> which is the you know you pound down some expectation then another one pops up so nobody understands you using the term military term the rules of engagement on your own career yeah. therefore how happy can you be yeah. 
All right. If all of a sudden, and as recently as this morning, I was talking to an executive who, um, uh, based on what he was told were his priorities going into 2022, he thought he had a great year, sat down with the leader of the company and said, well, you didn't do this, this, and this. He was never told to do them. Jesus. Okay. <laughs> Uh, and this is a this is Dilbert a, cartoon. Yeah, it, this is the whack. This is the whack-a-mole. Okay, yeah. Thank <laughs> you for doing this, but by the way, this is pointing me on these three things. You know that then then you you know this becomes an issue of trust. There's yeah. a guy. There's a guy, David, that that um, your listeners too should um, uh, look at. It's Stephen Covey, the man who wrote um, uh, seven. Uh, Seven seven habits. Uh, seven habits. Yep. Yeah. Seven habits. His son Stephen Covey Jr. Okay, is is writes about trust, the speed of trust, mm-hmm. and um, uh, his books are great. You know, I've, I've, he and I've been on panels together, but he he reduces it to an essence. It says, if the person doesn't trust their leader, why would they trust the company? Yeah, that's sort of a symbolic connection <laughs> yeah, it's, well it's it's a personal one yeah it's a personal one and you know as we get into this issue of the great resignation which is now you're starting to hear the words the great regret of people who left their jobs and only went to someplace that was worse <laughs> or left their jobs and now the economy is shifting and they're having a little bit more difficulty finding it yeah all, true. Of, all of all of those factors are are considerations here but it, it, you know, you have to harken back to um, what what Jack Welsh did. Is he was transparent? Okay, he was transparent. You didn't like it, fine. He didn't care. As long as you understood your expectations for him, that was clear. Then you go to uh, uh, Stephen Covey's right, and 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 Noel Tichy and Stephen uh, Stephen Kerr have written about this in terms of not only their experience with Jack Welsh, but also their own experience working with other companies. Um, uh, Dr. Kerr worked with uh, Goldman Sachs, okay, yeah. during the global recession as a head of leadership development or something like that. And uh, they were right then and continue to be all about collaboration. So there's a lot of different things that thought leaders have been promoting, researching on, thinking about, and, you know, in a much more modest pedestrian way, including discussion partners. And we're seeing a sea change. We're We're seeing empathy becoming as important as uh, ability to anticipate the trends and develop the strategies to optimize the company's performance. We see empathetic leadership. If you can't do that, then you know whatever you're looking at in terms of industry trends, it's probably not gonna be sufficient. Same I, thing I, in terms of ability. Go ahead, sir. No, no, I, I'm sorry to cut into you. I, I, was very, I was resonating with that because I remember when we started our conversation and I asked you a bit about how you became uh, so observant, so tuned in uh, and, and, and able to uh, talk about what you see in cogent ways. And I would say, Tom, that now that you're looking at empathy as a very important attribute that mm-hmm. you are yourself empathetic so that's a good news isn't it uh 
because it would be a, a, a mismatch if you weren't. <laughs> uh, in the recent past, empathy has probably not been a front of mind behavior that people would say. Well, I... uh, the Because I think that, you know, empathy is, are you thinking about the other person's interests? I That's mean, right. If, That's if what I mean. To, yeah, if you're thinking about the other person's interests. And sometimes you can be thinking about the other person's interests while you're being critical of them. Okay. Sure, sure. And well, that, that's that's being kind in a way. Kill them in kindness, but it's really important yeah, to give true. them. But what happens? What, what happens is, if, what happens is, and that, that's our definition. And you're you're hypothetically agreeing with my definition of it. Mm -hmm. What's what's happening is the definition of empathy is 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 to me is becoming as elusive as being able to quantify the word love. Mm -hmm. Okay, because some people will define it only as getting everything they want. Yeah. Okay, never hearing criticism. You know, this person is not empathetic because they're being critical of me. Well, actually, that could be a manifestation of empathy because there's some a behavior you need to correct. Yeah. Okay, so we're we're into uncharted territory right now because yeah. it's the softer skills. Um, the softer skills. Are becoming as important as the as important as the skills that we the that are are geared towards uh, 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 financial performance, quantitative performance, right? Uh, and some of these softer skills, which are very individual driven and subject to interpretation, like what? How do you define empathy? Mm -hmm. are where we are as we go into 2023. I mean, we've, we've essentially, being discussion partners, we've essentially been realizing for quite some time, really around the time of COVID, is the, the only rules that there are no rules. Okay. Very so You're starting all over again. The next 40s, yeah. <laughs> the next 40, yeah. Tom, are coming up. Well, Lots know, of different then, uh, things to learn. Yeah, I'm not sure that 113 I'll be doing this, but the, <laughs> but, the but I but I am saying that um, what I am saying is everybody likes predictability, everybody likes structure, absolutely. Okay? And I'm not saying those aren't aspirations, but you need to embrace the horror right now is that we are in an issue of trial and error and developing protocols and processes and uh, things that are going to be focused on the future of work as we go. You know, this, this, there's a difference between experiencing history and learning from history. Yeah. Okay. And the issue here is we need to do both now. Yeah. All right? Wow. And as we're, as we're experiencing something, whatever the lessons learned are, they need to be embedded in what, however we decide to manage and lead and more specifically lead. Man, oh man! You know you always do this to me. Now I got to have another one of these with you, Tom, because my my time yeah, well. budget my time budget <laughs> running out. But you're you're you put your finger on a very important pulse uh, mm -hmm. of practice, uh, and uh, the point that Peter once made when he wrote, "We're all moving into permanent white water, folks," and everything mm -hmm. you thought you knew for sure. Get ready. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. not going to be sure anymore. So you've got to keep learning. And you've just reinforced not only Peter's 
50 or 60 years of it, uh, yeah. of, of, of making that point. You're living that mm-hmm. point. And I love this notion that while you're, you have to keep reading history and you talked in some podcasts yeah. about going back to the masters and reading biographies and getting into the, mm-hmm. uh, how people did things with their lives. Now it's that and keenly observant, open reality is not your enemy. Uh, mm-hmm. And we're going to have some really interesting new blogs coming out from pre-discussion partners and a new book. Yeah. And and uh, well, Tom's got a whole new talk mm-hmm. to give. <laughs> well, I did, Tom's, Tom's out on the podium giving the talk. The book piece, you know, as you know, David, right? I've done six. Yeah. You know, and I only, I, I was threatening to stop after two. But uh, I think that the, 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 and, and this is the point that, you know, I just would like to leave this discourses. And, and in addition to congratulating you and Peter for the book and 198 of these episodes, which Thank are, you. as I know, to be very an, an unselfish promotion of points of view and allowing other people like myself to express theirs. Yes. But I think I think that as we enter this, you know, the world I, right, right now is chaotic. Okay. We're not, we're not, we are, we ourselves are not at war, but Europe is. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we're going to be looking at a global recession. Okay. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, it won't be long lived, et cetera. And one of the things that we have concluded, uh, discussion partners, and we've issued blogs on that, absent a rational immigration policy. The shortage of workers and inflation will not be able to be managed. Yeah. Okay. Goldman yeah. issued a great report back in May of last year that made that argument, and everything we're seeing with our clients is proving it. We need a rational immigration policy. We need to, you know, stop talking about building walls. We need to start. We need about, people. Yeah. You know, I mean, you had Ted Kennedy, Senator Kennedy, and previous uh, President Bush two gentlemen who philosophically had nothing in common they did agree on this yeah no i'm, okay, I'm but, with it you. Did, but it didn't go anywhere that's a tactic now tactic in pursuit of what the pursuit of what which is how we conduct our research what what do we you know at the end of the day what it is where what do you hope to think about where we are right now is promoting to our clients you need to reset how you think about those things that have made you successful and be open to modification because people have different expectations. That's what our research is telling us now. Well, if, em- if empathy is as important as uh, uh, staff development mm-hmm. or empathy is as and transparency is as important as problem solving, you need to be open your mind and embrace the horror that you're. Uh, portfolio skills may need to be updated. Well, I'm going to leave that as the the last word and really, Tom, the first word for what's coming next for all of us. So thank you for that uh, perceptivity and, uh, and your compliments for uh, the work that Peter and I did. So thank you very, very much. Your most pleasure. Welcome to the new, new year. And uh, let me know if uh, I'll let you know if I decide to write that book between now and the time I turn 100. <laughs> okay. Thanks. Go ahead, write it. I, I yeah. give you my permission. <laughs> Thank right. you again, Tom. <laughs> Take care, David. Bye.
Thanks for listening to the Practice Podcast, where we discuss practice with a capital P. If you'd like to hear more, listen in on Spotify, Automatic, and Apple Podcasts, or go to inactionresearch.com slash podcast dash page. And if you'd like to learn more about social inaction and the nature of practice, head over to inactionresearch.com for more information. Thank you for supporting this show. We look forward to hearing from you soon. Oh, oh, how could I have forgotten? Our digital book, On Practice as a Way of Being, is now available. You'll find it online at www.mylibrary.world. I worked on that book after Peter passed away, and I think you will find it a unique and very, very mobile reading experience, since it's wherever your screen is in hand or at hand.